0: you are listening to the next best picture podcast and this is our review of the gentleman
1: i want you to play a game with me ray i don't want to play a game oh please no i said play a game with me rayman right lovely i want you to imagine a character your boss mickey pearson you're too smart to be blackmailing us fletcher yeah
0: Sweet Mary Jane is my vice. Your poison, on the other hand, is and always has been the destroyer of worlds. You're out of touch, and I would like you to consider an offer.
1: I am not for sale. The plot begins to thicken. Now, I can't be specific about the heroes and zeros, but our protagonist is a hungry animal. There is a lot of money hanging in the balance. Our antagonist explodes on the scene like a millennial firework. And has indirectly started a war. I think you need to see this boss. That's the one of my (laughs) phone, How do they find it? I'm making inquiries. His name is Fahok. It was spelled with a P-A, so it sounds like Fahok. Please! Sorry, Fahok, Kanda Fahok. Please! (laughs) If you smell smoke
0: it's because there's a fire so you're gonna have to stamp that out quickly
1: these people are gonna clean house and you are part of that
0: house in the jungle the only way a lion survives not by acting like a king by being the king oh. brilliant i've been waiting so
1: long Oh, it's really warming up now, isn't it?
0: (laughs) There's only one rule in this jungle. When the lion's hungry, he
1: eats. One of her associates had an accident.
0: So you killed someone? No, it was the gravity that killed him.
1: (laughs) Need
0: those phones. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Gentleman, and the story is as follows. Mickey Pearson is an American businessman who became rich by building a marijuana empire in London. When word gets out that he's looking to cash out of the business, it soon triggers an array of plots and schemes from those who want his fortune. The film is starring Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Henry Golding. Michelle Dockery, Jeremy Strong, Colin Farrell, and Hugh Grant. It is written, and directed by Guy Ritchie, co-written by Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davies. Join me for this podcast review, I have Bianca Gardner.
1: Yeah, hi. Uh, You're right. I feel like I should have done like a Guy Ritchie impression.
0: Well, how about this? I'll uh, I'll make up for it. You ready for this? Okay. Come over here, Bianca. Come play a podcast with me. <laughs>
1: I'm offended
0: come to a I'm podcast with me Bianca come I'm on now i
1: offended by that <laughs> <laughs> no that wasn't too bad that wasn't too bad yeah you, you could uh, be in the next Guy Ritchie film
0: <laughs> yeah Hugh Grant's performance in this movie I feel like added another two years to my life
1: <laughs> oh I it was so uh, I don't know I don't know what he was trying to do but I kind of got on board with it after a while I liked it yeah, yeah. <laughs> It starts off odd, and then you're just like, okay, we'll go. This is the tone of the movie. Okay, that's fine. He's
0: hitting on Charlie Hunnam for the whole movie. <laughs> it, like, what more could you want?
1: <laughs> I, I did like that. I do like. I like their sort of little interaction scenes that go. They have, and I, I kind of wish there were more.
0: Yeah, so let's backtrack a little bit here. Uh, this is a return for Guy Ritchie uh, back to the British crime gangster drama. It's something that we've seen him do time and time again with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, uh, Revolver. And then um, he also did uh, The Man From U.N.C.L.E. And lately he's been doing these bigger budgeted films, you know, Sherlock Holmes, King R for Legend of the Sword, and most recently Aladdin. So it's nice to kind of see him get back to uh, the genre that kind of made his name in the first place. And this is a movie that, for me, uh, was probably the most fun I've had watching a Guy Ritchie movie since The Man From U.N.C.L.E., I would say. And very much reminded me of... Uh, what he would do with things like Snatch, just in terms of like the kinetic filmmaking style, the wide cast of characters, the colourful dialogue that just had total disregard for any and all political correctiveness.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's, it is good to see so sort of Guy Ritchie go back to his roots. Um, this is what he's good at, you yeah, know? Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm not a fan of his Sherlock Holmes films. Um, I feel like I'm the only one. Nah,
0: I've always found that there was something a little off with those. I like the design of them, Mm. you know, like the aesthetics. But something about those never really clicked for me all the way either.
1: No, no, that's true. But, uh, yeah, Aladdin, I was just like, what is – when I heard his name was attached to it, I was like, "What is Guy Ritchie doing attached to a Disney film?" And I thought, "Oh no, is he going to do a Tim Burton?" And that's all he's going to be doing now is weird Disney remakes. <laughs> but no, uh, so, and then he sort of comes with this, and it was kind of unexpected when the trailer sort of dropped. As a bit, I was wondering maybe it was potentially like a ripoff of um, Kingsman. Uh, Or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. It kind of gave me that vibe looking at the poster. I was like, what is this? This
0: Yeah, there's definitely, I think, a deliberate lean into uh, the marketing for the Kingsman here, for sure, I would say.
1: But, you know, once the film sort of started and it gets going, because I think it's a little bit slow to begin with. There's a lot of exposition and so many characters
0: i was having such a hard time following it in the first 10 minutes i didn't know who was who what the plot was i didn't even understand like what q grant was doing at charlie Hunnam's house like (laughs) I, i was lost completely lost and this was really like the kind of movie where after the first couple of minutes i felt like i just needed to give myself over to it and realize okay this is definitely a shut-your-brain-off kind of a movie uh, where you just got to give yourself over to it. It's not asking much of you as an audience member, and you kind of just need to go with it for a little bit. The same way that I watched, like, Bad Boys for Life recently, and that was just a pure entertainment, shut-off-your-brain kind of a action movie, uh, this is not that similar kind of a vein, just it has uh, less explosions and just more... Uh, homoeroticism
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. built into it <laughs> and uh, there was some like some of the languages that is used i mean it's even though we have films where like l- that type of language is, is used and it's more common now it just felt like uh, it's shocking yeah yeah like mm-hmm. i i don't obviously can't say some of the words are uh, on this podcast but you know there are certain words where i was like Oh, okay. That's that's a word that's being used in this film.
0: Like the like the C U R. Oh yeah. wait, I can't even spell right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was trying to say star and like I like C U star T. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it just said C U R T. Whoops. Uh but yeah, no, he's he's done that before. That's the thing, right? Um, like I said, this is kind of like a return the form back to those offensive, uh, pretty irrelevant, but also at the same time like uh genre homages to uh, you know, like Tarantino like gangster flicks. You know, if, if it's like if if America has Quentin Tarantino, England has Guy Ritchie. That's kind of like the way I see it in regards to um not in terms of, like, a cinematic expression of all different genres of the art form, but just more so for when they do, like, these gangster films like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, things like that. You know what I mean? So that's how I've always kind of viewed Guy Ritchie. And I do believe that, yeah, it's not everyone's, you know, it's not everyone's thing. Uh, But for those that do like those tough guy, sharply well-dressed English blokes, you know, gangster films, uh, this is that. And if you're on board with that, cool. The, the question is, though, does this movie have anything actually to say? And I, I think the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just wants to be entertaining, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't think there's any sort of statement that it's trying to make.
0: Uh... Although, wait a minute, wait. I gotta ask you this question. Mm. Did you get, like, this weird sense while watching The Gentleman that this was like almost Guy Ritchie's attempt at trying to be like his most Tarantino-esque and I mean that because there's kind of like this subtle commentary on storytelling and Guy Ritchie's own work as a filmmaker in this
1: movie. Yeah it was kind of a. I felt like it was a bit of a distraction maybe like a bit of a too meta in places mm-hmm. like there's a the bit where they start like hugh grant's character starts getting the script out and they start reciting it's really hard like there's a bit where they were like reciting from the script and reading someone else's dialogue and i was just like okay this is just getting silly now this is all a bit ridiculous and then he's going off to try and pitch a film at the end and i it was i it was like, Does this need to be in here in in the film? I didn't really Well it's
0: funny because this is a Miramax movie.
1: Hmm, that's true.
0: Fletcher, the Hugh Grant character, does pitch the movie within the movie to Miramax at one point. And I I wondered another movie I compared this to, did you see Seven Psychopaths from uh Bob McDonough?
1: Yeah,
0: that reminded me of this, too, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that.
0: And it made me wonder, did Guy Ritchie have like a bit of writer's block? And he, you know, (laughs) kind of did the same thing that Martin McDonough did with Seven Psychopaths, where it's like, I'll make a movie about a guy trying to make a movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't I don't know whether it, it really works in in this film. And I think there's the ending of the film just feels a little bit off to me. I don't know or just seems to be a bit neat neatly done in a way and yeah I'm not I think it's mostly because obviously there's a point in the film where I it just left me really sort of cold and instantly I was no longer with the film at all I was like fully sort of like enjoying it to a certain point and then I was that I reached that point, and I was like, "No, I, I can't. I, this film is really too much for me now." So yeah. I don't know. I Richie he came to a line and he decided, "Yeah, I'm gonna cross that line and not address address this at all." Did you
0: get an, Did you get enjoyment out of the performances uh, from anyone though? Because I have to say, it looked like the actors were definitely having fun with the dialogue, especially like McConaughey at times. Um, who, I, I don't know, maybe because just after watching him in Serenity, anything now seems like it's a great McConaughey role.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the bar, isn't it? If it's... Uh, uh, um, I, I don't know, because it's really hard to say. Like, I think everybody was doing a good job and they seemed to be having a lot of fun with the movie. I found Matthew McConaughey a bit too... Like, he was acting too much, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think he really... I d- Maybe that's because of his character. Like, his character was too tightly um, wound up.
0: Well, I think it's more because of the world that Richie inhabits all these characters. in Because even, like, Michelle Dockery's character, who's, like, the only prominent uh, female character in the movie, she also has, like, a similar uh, attitude in the way that she, like, kind of carries herself in this, like, tough... Um, you know persona that all the other characters uh, carry themselves with and it just feels like this is a world that does not feel like it's reality it, it mm. just feels like it's something that is from Guy Ritchie's own mind and in his own mind this is how characters talk to each other how they walk how they behave and how they talk because let me tell you people do not talk like this in real life
1: <laughs> what do you mean we talk like this all the time
0: Um, (laughs) and now you have to call me a (laughs) (laughs) c-u-r-t
1: maybe not um yeah i i I just remember like watching the film at the start and he goes into the pub and he orders a pickled pickled egg and i i've never seen anyone eat a pickled egg here and I, i wonder like uh do 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 americans think that we eat pickled eggs is this a thing I don't know. Like, why is Guy Ritchie making him eat a pickled egg? And that really was, like, the one thing that was on my mind for, throughout the entire film was, like, why a pickled egg? It's <laughs> 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 like, you don't go into a pub and get a pickled egg. You get, like, a packet of crisps or something, or some peanuts. I, I don't know. So,
0: There's a lot of things in this that, like, in terms of the dialogue, there are small little nuggets in there that flew over my head because I'm sure they're just so ingrained into uh, British culture. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that was kind of like lost on me at times. But the thing that I understand is I I understand tough guy speak, you know, I grew up with uh, classic gangster films. And I mean, I, I like worship at the altar of things like Goodfellas Casino and things of that nature, you know, And uh, I've seen Guy Ritchie's other uh, gangster films in the past. And, you know, I mean, like Lair Cake. I don't know. You name it. The crime genre is something that I'm just very, very familiar with. And what I like about this movie is I like that it's... Yes, they're, they're criminals. Yes, they're bad guys. Yes, they do horrible things when they are pushed to the limit. But ultimately... what they they would like to do. And I guess this kind of like ties in a little bit into Kingsman is they want to present themselves as gentlemen. They want to present themselves as well-dressed, well-spoken, well-groomed, beautiful gentlemen, (laughs) you know? And they want to handle things in a manner that is civil, uh, straight to the point and very, you know, and, and done with delicate taste. But, you know, if you lay your hands on them or if you step out of line, that's when things get nasty, and there was something, like I said, playful about that, and fun to watch these actors, uh, kind of riff off of that, you know.
1: Oh yeah, I think um, I, I definitely think that, that everybody's having a lot of fun in the movie. Um, I, I the only thing I really have a bit of a problem is in terms of like playing it, playing it over, overplaying it, like Jeremy Strong. <sighs>
0: Yeah, which if anyone sees him on Succession, I mean that it, it's very different. I mean he's going full character actor mode here, basically.
1: Yeah, I it's it's really weird.
0: It almost felt like a totally different person.
1: Yeah, it, it was good though. I was trying to recognize, like, you know, when you're watching a film and it, like you see someone and you have to do like a double take, like, yeah, yeah, is that really him? But I kind of liked his character I there were as, aspects of him which you know he's very cunning and there's a lot of backstabbing that happens in this movie and you know you don't know where it's going to go I think in terms of like which because none of the characters are very good everyone's like this weird gr- has this weird grey side to them like they're not good but they're not exactly bad
0: we're kind of rooting for them a little bit yeah. by the end a little bit yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. but at the same time because they are morally gray even though we're rooting for them we don't know if in the end they're all going to end up dead anyway just like something like The Departed for example <laughs> you know where it's like everyone's dead <laughs> by the end of this movie Um, but that's like something I've, I've always liked about these kinds of films too is I love when you get to the uh the scheming and the double crosses and the backstabbing there are some twists that come into play then in the story where it's like ooh i didn't see that one coming you know and like oh we got him there and like there's some out maneuvering going on where characters are one step ahead of the other and i i i like that cuz that helps kind of i think with the um you know with with, with the fun aspect of it all
1: yeah i almost wish though that's it been tighter like the oh yeah the twists had been a bit Some of them I could see coming like a mile off. I was like, "Oh, that's a uh, yeah, that's to be expected." Oh, okay, of course, this is you know how it goes. This is uh, very much to a formula.
0: I will admit the the one thing I like thought was a little lazy was like there was this introduction of like these Russian characters in the third act, and I'm like, that sounds like you wrote yourself into a corner. You didn't
1: know how to get out of it. (laughs) Yeah, that was. I mean. There's some real uh, stereotypes as well and some certain characters. I mean, I I don't know. There were some points where... I think the second act is clearly the strongest point of the film. Um, I think it it, it starts off slow and then it sort of gets really going in the second act. And then, I don't know, Sometimes I find this with Guy Ritchie films. He almost doesn't know how to end them.
0: I agree completely with you.
1: Like, uh, he just... He gets, like, the momentum going, and then it just ends. Yes. And you're just yeah. like, what? We were just getting started. I mean, I wish he just... There's got to be a balance there. I don't know what he does or whether that's just it must be his style but it just feels it's just like every time i watch a guy Ritchie film i feel a bit frustrated by how it ends
0: oh no he's definitely a messy filmmaker and there is absolutely no way shape and hell i would ever uh go to a great length to say that i think he's a even a great filmmaker personally but there is still something that i do enjoy like i said um about this genre for some reason and um the like i said the the level of fun that it can give uh the actors in terms of the characters that they're playing or the dialogue that they say like like Colin Farrell to me like watching him in this i feel like i haven't enjoyed him uh this much in a movie since um his collaborations with Martin McDonagh
1: yeah i was going to say like i i want his own spin-off movie maybe that would be yeah right with his like little um Little boxing gang and they're going around and do, getting into. Oh,
0: you know what? Hold on a second. I want to just say for the record, I I, I, I do enjoy his work in something like Killing the Sacred Deer, uh, in The Lobster, oh, yeah, FYI. Yeah. But what I meant was, in terms of Colin Farrell just doing like this level of, um, ridiculous comedy, uh, and I guess he does do it in The Lobster. All right, all right. So maybe not since Seven Psychopaths, maybe just since The Lobster. <laughs> That's still a good four years.
1: <laughs> this is true. I think he. We've kind of missed um his funny side, his um co- comedic like timing like I oh, just,
0: yeah, if anybody's ever seen him in Bruges, they know yeah, what the guy can do.
1: He's so good, and mm-hmm. I love like the when we're sort of introduced to him and he's in like the it's a it's called a greasy spoon cafe if i do you have greasy spoon cafes do you have those like really you go in there and everything's got a layer of grease on it, like, um... <laughs>
0: <'cause> <laughs> wow, um, <laughs> I'm sure that they would get a, uh, lower, uh, health rating here in the city <laughs> if that were the case, so, um, I, I doubt, I doubt that we have, I, I, don't know, I've never heard of that before.
1: Okay, well... Greasy
0: Spoon Cafe.
1: Yeah, they're called Greasy Spoon Cafes, but you get, they're like, the it's it's like a typical place that you go to and you have those sort of characters there, you know, like,
0: Oh, apparently we do have them in New York.
1: Ah, wow. I just
0: Google imaged it and I know exactly what kind of place this is now. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.
1: Yeah. Everything's got a layer of grease, but, um, I think it's great that we sort of get an introduction to him there and, uh, his, his like first words are like, it smells like weed or something when, um some lads come in and then he just sort of like does his stuff. And I Yeah. I really like um how he keeps getting brought like brought into things into the main storyline you know, not by choice, he's just had been dragged into it. So yeah, I definitely would love to see him with his own spin off film. So if Guy Richie's listening to this, um <laughs> Which, if he's here, if he's listening to this, he might be. Uh, give us a um a spin-off film with the coach in it. We want that to happen. That would yeah, be amazing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I'd be about it. I would like. Uh, I would definitely like to see that happen. Actually, and you know, Charlie Hunnam is. Uh, I want to comment on him actually for a brief second here because, quite frankly, I've said this before. I don't really think he's like a great actor. Um, I think he is an actor that a lot of people find pretty to look at. But I don't think that he offers that much.
1: Uh, he hasn't got the range, has no, he? No,
0: but I I didn't hate him in this.
1: No, he seems perfect for this. I yeah,
0: think. that was like the, that's like the best compliment that I can pay in this uh, in this case. Uh, McConaughey, I actually really enjoyed in this. Uh, I enjoyed Jeremy Strong, Colin Farrell. I enjoyed. I'm just like name checking here. Michelle Dockery, I enjoyed her. Henry Golding felt a little off at times. I don't know if it was because I felt like he was maybe just trying a little too hard.
1: Yeah, I got that. I yeah. I felt like maybe he was trying – he almost was – I suppose that's his character, though. Like his, he was trying to prove something, trying to be yeah. tough. Mm-hmm. But that might be just because of how his character is written. Well, if that's the
0: case, then maybe he did do a good job then. Yeah. I just – yeah, I just didn't really get the same level of excitement seeing him on screen as I did as something like in Crazy Rich Asians, which I thought he was wonderful in.
1: Maybe he's just better suited to not so... I mean, this is quite a... He's, he's kind of playing the villain of the of the film, isn't he? So yeah. I don't know. It just, it just feels like maybe he's trying to be too over, over, over the top with it. I don't know, like trying to be a bit showy.
0: Regardless of which, it didn't really fit at times. No,
1: I didn't think so. I'm glad I'm not the only one.
0: Yeah, but Hugh Grant, though, my God.
1: <laughs> Hugh Grant's like the MVP. He
0: is He is an actor, but I swear to God, we take him for granted and we don't give him enough praise. The Pat, The Paddington films, he was great in Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, he's having a ball in this movie with the lines of dialogue that he has. He's essentially the film's narrator and storyteller, and he is the one that kind of guides us through all of the exposition. And it's just, it's the way that he speaks, it's the charismatic way in which he says it, and it's also with the just, like I said before, just this playfulness that he brings to it too, where you can just tell that as an actor, he is improvising how he says these lines. And I'm sure that he gave Guy Ritchie so many choices to choose from. Um, and and I think that that was the thing that came across the most to me as a viewer was you can tell from watching this that he was probably having so much fun doing this.
1: Yeah, this is like, uh, I think this is a role he's been waiting for for a very long time. Yeah. Like, uh, we always think of Hugh Grant as like that bumbling like romantic comedy lead and uh, i'm glad to see him actually do something where he's acting do you know what i mean like he's actually acting in this film you almost forget it's hugh grant like
0: oh i i totally forgot it was hugh grant like a bunch of times because uh the voice change you know mm. he he definitely has a different look to him uh, than what we're used to. I think seeing, and also y- you're right. I don't think he's never played a role. I don't f- think like this off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but I got to like think back to his entire filmography, which is pretty vast at this point. Uh, but the other thing too that I found interesting was that in the beginning you think that he's a villain, yeah, and then and then you just find out no, he's just this
1: like really
0: yeah the, yeah exactly like this really clever opportunist who thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room and he is <laughs> flaunting it in front of charlie Hunnam uh, with I all just, this swagger you know? I, know
1: I just love when he's like one like asking for steak and yeah. like <laughs> getting really excited over the little barbecue thing yeah, the barbie oh <laughs> uh, oh that's so good um i really like like him in this film and i think um the film kind of gets dull when he's not in it
0: agreed yes
1: (laughs) it like gets too serious for me i like him being there like oh him and um colin farrell's character need to have their own spin-off film oh yeah they would make a perfect pair that would be brilliant that'd be so much fun I feel like there's so much potential with those two characters. Uh, but I, d- I don't know whether that's because those characters are well-written or whether it's because the actors brought something to those roles.
0: I, I think it's because the actors brought something to the roles. Because I while I, I do think that the screenplay is in love with itself at times, like it mm-hmm. like definitely wants to be, oh, look at me, look at me, or, aren't I so clever? Yeah. But... I do think the actors do bring a charm and charisma to all of their roles, even like I said before, also Michelle Dockery as well. Like everybody, I think, is bringing something to elevate this screenplay and make this an enjoyable movie. Because I got to admit, for as many times as I like looked down and like like I like I refused to look at the screen because I was just like, oh, my God, this is like embarrassingly bad. (laughs) For every moment that I did that, there were, like, five moments where I was howling with laughter because I couldn't believe just the um, irreverence that Guy Ritchie had, (laughs) you know? The guy just did not give a shit, and he was just throwing everything out there, you know?
1: Yeah, I wonder whether this is, like, his reaction to working with something like um, Disney and working on the like the aladdin remake maybe this is like he's just been
0: gotta roll up the sleeves and go loose baby yeah yeah
1: exactly <laughs> so the
0: gloves are off
1: i know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wonder if like he will be whether disney will want him to come back and make another disney film after what
0: oh J- aladdin made a ton of money i'm sure they wanted okay. to come back yeah, yeah. The question is, does he want to go back? I think that he, after these big projects that he's done lately, I think for him to step back into a smaller scale film, like I said that before, that is more up his wheelhouse, uh, was needed both for uh, us as an audience. Because quite honestly, I think his big budgeted films are very, very hit or miss and mostly miss. And then also, too, for him, I'm sure for him, it was nice for him to be able to go back to a smaller movie, enjoy working with the actors a little bit more, and not have to worry about so many logistics that go into a big-budget project like that. And now, I don't know about you, but like for me, personally, I would would kind of be on board uh, with seeing some of these characters uh, return, if uh, there was ever an option, personally. But you know, then again, it's like I, I, I sound like I'm like I'm overpraising this movie a little bit. I do think that it, that it is structurally a mess at times, and mm-hmm. it's very incoherent and convoluted, and that ultimately is my biggest knock against it. I did pay attention to because you did warn me that there was a moment that made you very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I looked out for it the entire movie, and then when it came up, I was like, ah, okay, and I was like, you know, and I thought to myself, in this world. Yeah, that seems like something that these characters would do. But I don't know if it was necessarily needed because it did just seem to be coming out of nowhere for no reason. And I'm glad that they didn't go too far with it. It was more like the threat of it that was, uh, you know, presented to us, you know, because it gets stopped. Yeah. But I I still was like, okay, did you really need that element itself to just be there period end of story um and i think that that is an old fashioned uh idea of trying to present danger within you know cinema that nowadays i think you need to just be a little bit more mindful of It, it didn't ruin my experience but i definitely saw it more as uh richie not being so up to the times if you will
1: yeah i i kept thinking that was almost like a clint eastwood Type of move, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of films that Clint Eastwood have done where that sort of scenario happens, sure. and, and from like the 70s and the 80s, and it just felt very outdated to me. And um, I maybe just because of all the stuff that's sort of going on in our culture at the moment and society, I really did not sit well for me. And the fact that what happens is never addressed in the film. There's never a moment between um, Michelle's character and uh, Matthew McConaughey's character's names have forgotten. I've forgotten their names now Um, between their two characters. They never have a moment where they talk about it. I don't.
0: Well, well, Matthew McConaughey does Mm. uh, verbally express uh, in his, you know, in a fit of rage uh, that transgression, if you will. To another mm. character at one point, so I, I think that was Richie's way of addressing it, quote unquote. Yeah. But I I think because and it's good and I'm listen I'm not trying to defend the moment enough and I'm just trying to give I guess a, I guess an answer if anything, but I think because the it remember, like I said before it was more of the threat of something happening it doesn't actually happen because it gets stopped. Yeah. Uh, I think that because of that. Like I said, he as a filmmaker didn't, doesn't feel that he has to have that scene between those two because because to him, oh, nothing actually happened. Yeah. You know? So I, I think that it's not a good answer, but I think it's the only answer that we've got.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't need to be there. Um,
0: exactly. I, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, it was completely unnecessary. And it did ruin my sort of, uh, experience of the movie and I, I have to admit that and and say that I mean um, there are aspects of this film which I enjoy um, we sort of spoken about like Hugh Grant I thought he was the best thing in it um, but yeah the, the film takes ages to get going I there's weird credits the opening credits didn't work well for me but they just seemed a bit odd I don't know what they like Guy Ritchie was trying to go that go trying to do with those and yeah some of the I don't know whether the violence is some of the violence doesn't feel necessary but some moments are just so crazy that you can't help but be like uh gasping and sort of like reeling there's just so many weird moments where it just (laughs) <laughs> it just goes there, and people get like vomited with blood and. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that, that was that
0: was nuts. that was fantastic. <laughs>
1: that is just such a man response. That was great. It, it was gross. I hated it, but maybe that's because I got a really like queasy. It stomach. was so over the oh, top, and I think I that's know. like
0: that. That's why I, you know, for me, I'm so desensitized to violence in cinema. I'm, I'm really admitting it. That to me, it's like really, really hard for me to ever get to a point where I'm like. Oh, that was too much, you know. Because I feel like when you are doing too much, um, as long as the rest of the movie has that hyper realistic uh, or or hyper unrealistic vibe to it, uh, mm-hmm. that it's totally okay. And I feel like this movie is so, like I said, from Guy Ritchie's own mind and not set supposed to be like set within the real world. It's just Guy Ritchie's world mm-hmm. that you can have projectile vomit be what it is in this movie. You can have um, somebody's ridiculously, uh, ridiculous, like, fight scenes and then post them on YouTube. Like, it, it was just so ridiculous that... At a certain point, like I said, I, I kind of just had to go with it. I had to shut my brain off, stop asking questions, and just, just be like, all right, let's just let's just go with this for a bit, you know, and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe I, I clearly need to watch more sort of, like, Guy Ritchie films, I think.
0: Well, I wouldn't say you have to, but, I mean, let me ask you this question. Have you seen Snatch?
1: I've seen Snatch. I've seen Lockstock.
0: That's, that's all you need, yeah,
1: really. Yeah, I... <laughs> I haven't seen Swept Away. Do I need to see Swept Away? No, no, away? no.
0: You're good. You're good. <laughs> have you Have you seen The Man from Uncle?
1: No, I actually
0: haven't. Oh, Bianca! Oh, My, Bianca!
1: Uh, film Twitter is just gonna descend on me now. I'm. No,
0: like, no, no, no. Trust me. Trust me. It, it. Yes.
1: Okay. I will watch it. I will watch it. I'll. I'll. I will uh, confess to not watching it on this podcast, and then by the time we do the next podcast, I will have watched it. There you go.
0: You'll get some good eye candy out of that one, trust me.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, I don't really have any final thoughts because I feel like I expressed them all already.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, my only final thought is this film is crazy, and you almost have to go and watch it to understand how crazy it is.
0: I would say it's a good... um... I would say it's a good watch with a buddy at home. I don't know if you have to run to the theater to see it.
1: No, I I suppose it it might be good to go watch with lots of people in the cinema. I think it's it's definitely a film that you need to see with lots of people. I think
0: it is pretty outrageous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you'll have a fun time sort of quoting back certain lines with your friends. That's fair. But is it a masterpiece? No.
0: No, God no. no. As I've said the last couple of weeks here on the podcast, and I'll reiterate again, it's January.
1: Yeah. It's the best film out there at the moment, I must admit. I mean it's got to be better than Doolittle. Uh
0: yeah, well it is definitely better than Doolittle, I'll <laughs> give it that. I would say that uh it's a it's a six out of ten from me. Yeah. I was I was debating between a five or a six for a little while but I can't deny that I laughed I can't deny that the over the top ridiculousness of this movie won itself over me after a while because I definitely had this feeling while watching it that this is just so it it it, it, it knows what it is it knows what it is and it leans into that and I can't fault the movie for doing what it's set out to do for its intended audience the way that it does. It, it, but I will give it a lot of knocks, though, uh, because, like I said, I did find it hard to follow. I did find it overly convoluted. And honestly, with not much really to say, like, there's no takeaway other than the pure entertainment of it at all. So, 6 out of 10.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. I um 6 out of 10 in my review for, your, for the site. So... I don't really think there's anything else I can add to that, but um, it'd be interesting to see if it stands up after a, a second viewing. I don't know whether I would want to go back for a second viewing.
0: I might watch it with my roommates one night if it's like streaming or something.
1: Yeah. If there's nothing else on. Yeah. Well, it's either, either this film or Doolittle. So, you know, those are, you, <laughs> those are your two choices.
0: Well, I'll tell you which movie I'll go with. I'll, I'll go with the, the Hungry Lion, The One Who Eats, and that's this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that line is so ridiculous, Matthew Bagane. Eh? He eats like <laughs> Jesus, Matthew. <laughs> uh,
1: uh,
0: he's having a good time.
1: He's yeah, bless him.
0: <laughs> he's living. He's living his best life. <laughs> Smoking weed, doing movies about weed.
1: <laughs> all right, all right, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Bianca. Uh, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can find me at the film B and also head over to In Their Own League. We're doing the best actress of the decade countdown. So we're at number 16 Ooh. at the moment and it's Margot Robbie. So, yeah.
0: Very exciting. It is. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the next Best Picture Podcast review of The Gentlemen*. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, ACAST, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
1: so many impressions (laughs) i did an impression of a cockney uh did matthew mcconaughey i mean that's
0: good and and colin farrell
1: oh yeah yeah i'm i'm good at this
0: i i really really badly want to like just start off the podcast by being like will you do a podcast with me bianca (laughs) come come love do a podcast with me will (laughs) you
1: oh that's so bad
0: (laughs) i know i know
1: Oh, you're, you, yeah. I'm sorry. This is
0: you, why I'm from the states.
1: Yeah, uh, Hugh Grant's got no competition. <laughs> <laughs>